kids podcast. <laughs> you can go slow. A kids podcast about. Hey, listeners, thanks for finding this episode. We believe in the power of conversations and knowing that kids like you are ready to talk about the big things going on in their world. If you like this episode, please consider liking or reviewing the show through whatever app you're using to listen right now. That helps others discover this podcast, and that helps make sure this show is reaching the ears that need to hear it most. Thanks. Welcome to Camp Adventure, the camp in your bedroom or living room, the camp that's in the bus or in the car, camp adventures for everyone, no matter who you are. This week's theme is when the dead return. My name is Counselor Lewis, and I'm so excited to let you know it's even time here at camp. That means the campfire is going. And when the campfire is burning, that means it's story time. So I'm going to pass it over to Camp Counselor Ben. All right, all right. Here we go. Lewis, thank you so much. And yes, this is Counselor Ben. It is time to settle in, get that blanket, find a nice cozy place, and, uh, you know, get yourself situated because we're time to rock and roll for some story time. I'll tell you what, you might want to get an extra blanket this evening because we're going to be talking about zombies. Mm-hmm. No, oh my goodness. Just the thought gives me the eebie-jeebies. Zombies freak me out. I don't know if they do to you too, but they <laughs> they just make they make me feel so weird. The dead coming back to life. I just don't know what to make of that. Well, our story is about that tonight. The title of it is When the Dead Return. Okay? We gotta think about what is this whole idea of zombies? A lot of zombie stuff going on in the world today, or at least that's what it seems like sometimes. <laughs> okay, I don't know. You might want to keep an extra flashlight nearby, too, just in case it gets too freaky and you've got to shed some light on the situation. <laughs> All right, campers, here we go. It's time for story time. Okay, tonight we're going to be reading from a book titled Strange But True was written by Catherine Hewlett and illustrated by Gordy Wright. The title of our story is When the Dead Return. All right, here we go. A balding man with a scar on his cheek walks into a marketplace. He approaches a woman and says he's her brother. The woman is shocked. How is this possible? Her brother is dead. The man and woman, Clervius and Angela Narcisse, reunited in 1980 in the small town of Lester, Haiti. Eighteen years earlier, Clervius had gone to the hospital with a fever and had begun coughing up blood. He then sank into a coma, and a few days later, with Angela at his side, he took his last breath. Two doctors pronounced him dead. The next day, his family buried him. But... This man is very much alive. He tells Angela his childhood nickname, a name that only the family knew. He also says that he remembers his burial. He could not speak or move, but he was aware 
Even as they cast dirt on my coffin, I was not there, Narcisse described later to researchers investigating his case. My flesh was there, but I floated. I could hear everything that happened. Narcisse says that the scar on his cheek comes from a nail inside the coffin. He also claims that after he was buried, a group of men came and took him from his grave. They beat him and brought him to a sugar plantation. He says he worked as a slave there for two years until the plantation owner died and he escaped. He says he didn't really die on that fateful day 18 years ago. He became a zombie. That's spelled Z-O-N-B-I. Oh, this is so cool. I've actually heard about zombies. It comes from Haiti, right? And involves voodoo and incantations and being buried and coming back. Is that where our creation of zombies comes from? Zombies are all over TV and movies. I'm sure others listening have seen some zombie-related thing in books or shows or video games, right? Amazing. Sorry, Ben. Sorry to interrupt. I got really excited. The word zombie is spelled differently on purpose to distinguish it from a zombie, which is Z-O-M-B-I-E. You've probably read books or watched movies or played video games with zombie characters. Zombies are horrific monsters. They're mindless, walking corpses, hungry for brains or blood. (laughs) The zombies of Haiti inspired today's zombie stories. A zombie is a dead person returned to life, but it is not dangerous to other people. Rather, it is a slave with no will of its own. In the voodoo religion of Haiti... Zombies are one small part of a much larger set of beliefs. According to voodoo beliefs, a sorcerer called Bokor has the power to turn people into zombies. The process involves trapping a dead person's soul. In voodoo, each person has two souls. One is the life force in the body, and the other is that person's unique identity and willpower. The second soul is the one that Bakor captures to make a zombie. In most cases, the Bakor never revives the dead body. Instead, he makes a zombie of the spirit. This involves sealing the soul inside of a bottle along with a variety of ingredients that are meant to bestow magical powers. A zombie of the spirit supposedly brings good luck, beauty, fortune, and other benefits to its owner. Anthropologist Elizabeth McAllister of Wesleyan University purchased one of these bottles early in her career without knowing exactly what it was. She watched the Bokor make it. He burned an American dollar bill and put the ashes in the bottle. He poured perfume in the bottle, and he took out from under his bed a human skull. And he proceeded to grate small shavings from the skull and put those into the bottle. She later learned that the skull had been specially prepared in a ritual that was meant to extract its soul. The dollar bill tells the spirit to bring her wealth and the perfume is meant to keep her attractive. To make a zombie of the body, a bakor supposedly poisons a victim with the magical powder, then the victim sickens and seems to die, and then right after the burial, the bakor digs up the body and revives the person as a zombie. He also keeps the person's soul trapped in a bottle. 
Supposedly, he can use this captive soul to control the zombie slave. In 1973, a French missionary named Jean Carboul was working in Haiti when he met Medelia, a person who claimed to be a zombie. She recalled what happened to her. I was 13 years old, and a strong ailment completely paralyzed me. In the morning, in everyone's opinion, I was dead, but I maintained enough lucidity to realize what was happening to me. I heard the earth falling on my casket, and then after a brief moment, I distinctly heard a voice crying out, Soul! Earth! And quickly I found myself outside, standing between two young people, still conscious but without will. According to lore, zombies stare into space, speak very little or repetitively, and they move in an awkward or clumsy fashion. They toil as slaves but may escape if their souls are released or if they are allowed to taste salt. Zombie stories recall Haiti's disturbing history as a slave nation. The country was once the French colony called Saint-Domingue, a leading producer of sugar and coffee. To grow these crops, plantation owners captured hundreds of thousands of people from Africa and forced them to work in horrific conditions. The slaves rebelled, and in 1804, they won their independence. Yet, in zombie stories, slavery continues. The belief in zombies is so pervasive that the Haitian criminal code addresses it. If a poisoning leads to a state of near death and the victim is then buried, this is considered a murder. People sometimes take special steps to protect their dead, such as having the body cremated or guarding a new tomb at night. Still, cases similar to Narcisse or Medelia's are occasionally reported in Haiti, even still today. All right, it is Counselor Lewis, and I'm back. So, is it only me, or is this story super interesting? And I'm sure you want to hear the rest, just like me. But we do have to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, grown-ups! With over a hundred different titles in our kids' book about series, it may be hard to figure out where to start. Allow me to make a suggestion. There is perhaps no greater feeling, nothing more life-giving or secure, than to know you belong. No matter where you are, what you're experiencing, or who you're around, without that feeling of belonging, it's hard to concentrate on anything else. We can help our kids know what it feels like to belong and what it takes to help others feel like they belong around us. When you do belong, you it's very, very evident, right? Because I like to say your heart smiles and your brain is tickled. That's Kevin Carroll, author of A Kid's Book About Belonging. Check out our Kevin Talks About Belonging episode of A Kid's Book About, the podcast. Listen together with the kiddos in your life. And when you're ready, visit akidsco.com for more great books and podcasts made to empower kids. Hola, and we're back. So, I saved you a spot by the campfire, as always. So come on over, get comfortable, 
so we can hear the rest of the story. Are you comfortable? You ready? All right, Counselor Ben, let's hear the rest. Wilfred D. died when he was just 18 years old, after suffering from an unknown illness. His family laid the body to rest in a tomb on a cousin's land. A year and a half later, the young man returned. His family says he recognized his father and remembered comments from the funeral, but he wasn't the same. They had to tie his legs to a log to keep him from wandering. He rarely spoke and needed help to bathe or change clothes. He occasionally experienced fits in which he cried out and thrashed his arms and legs. Everyone agreed that he was a zombie. In fact, his uncle was arrested and convicted of ordering the zombification. A woman identified only as M.M. also died at the age of 18 after taking part in prayers for a neighbor who everyone believed had been zombified. Thirteen years later, she showed up in her hometown. She said she'd been kept in a village a hundred miles away and had given birth to a child there. After the Bokor died, she walked home. She was not a typical zombie since she spoke normally, laughed easily, and independently cared for herself. However, she was less intelligent than before her death, and her brother attempted to heal her with prayers. What is going on in these stories and others like them? Have the dead really come back to life? It's a scientific fact that dead people do not return to life. But what if they were never dead to begin with? Author Zora Neale Hurston visited Haiti in the 1930s and met several people said to be zombies. She wondered if Bokors introduced a death-like state using drugs. Beginning in the late 1960s, the psychiatrist Lamarck Duyon began tracking zombie cases. He found Narcisse's story especially interesting. The death certificate in his name seemed to prove that he had died. DNA tests did not exist yet, so Duyan interviewed Narcisse and his family. It seemed to Duyan that Narcisse knew too much about his former life to be an imposter. If he was the real Narcisse, then his death must have been faked, but how? Perhaps a Bokor really had poisoned him, making him seem dead for a short period and then later revived him? Oh, yeah! Like when you're having surgery and they give you anesthesia so that your body sleeps through the surgery and any pain you might feel is numbed by the anesthetics. That totally makes sense. But also, these experiences being described involving bokers and the process of capturing and enslaving people's souls through zombification are completely new to me. This is outside of my cultural experience. Really intriguing. Oh, sorry, Ben. Please continue. In Haiti, people don't often keep careful records of births, deaths, and other important life events. The hospital where Clarvius Narcisse supposedly died charged patients money for care. It's possible that someone who couldn't afford these fees used his name to check in. So the real Narcisse never died at all. But what about his family? They also claim that he had died. So perhaps there was no stranger who died under the wrong name? The family may have faked the documents because they no longer wanted him in their family. 
He had fathered several children and never supported them. He had also argued with his brother over land. Even after Narcisse returned 18 years later, the family didn't really want him back. In 1997, researchers analyzed the cases of Wilfred D. and M.M., They did DNA testing, and they found out that neither Wilfred D. nor M.M. were actually related to the families that had claimed them. They could not be the same people who had died. So what made the families accept them as their own? Both families had watched a teenager die. The loss must have been devastating. When each family later encountered a person who resembled the deceased young person, they welcomed them home. The idea that dead people may return as zombies is part of Haitian folklore and culture. This fact, combined with the family's grief at the untimely deaths, likely made them open to the idea that their loved ones had returned. To the relatives, the horrific process of zombification also seemed to explain the impairments both young people had. However, researchers actually diagnosed Wilfred D. and M.M. with different mental illnesses. With M.M.'s permission, the researchers brought her back to the place where she had said that she was held as a zombie. People there recognized her as a local woman known to have a mental disorder. She seemed to have simply wandered away from home. In these cases, the belief in zombification offers a way to understand and sometimes care for people with mental illnesses. Haiti's population struggles with poverty and many illnesses go untreated. If someone with a mental illness is recognized as a zombie, then in some cases he or she may end up adopted into a family willing to care for him or her. It seems that the real mystery of the zombie is not about the dead somehow returning to life, but about understanding Haitian culture and the voodoo religion. The real power of zombies of the spirit Zombie powders and even zombies of the body lies in the strength of human belief. The end. What an amazing story from Counselor Ben, as always. This week's theme has been great. And next week's theme is being someone others can count on. I want to let you know it has been super duper fantastic spending time with you. And before we go... Camp Counselor Matthew wants to say a few words. Thank you, Lewis, and thank you, Ben, for sharing that story with us. As the campfire's dying down, I've just got a few reminders and bits of information to share. A reminder to all campers to share your camp adventures on social media using hashtag AKCASummer. Or write to us at listen at listenatakidsco.com. We love, love, love hearing from you. Camp Adventure is written by Ben Tertine with help from the A Kids Podcast About Team. Permission to use excerpts from Strange But True, written by Catherine Hulick and illustrated by Gordy Wright, was granted by the publisher Francis Lincoln Children's Books, an imprint of the Quarto Group. The show is edited and produced by me, Matthew Winner. Audio production is by Chad Michael Snavely and the team at Sound On Studios. Our executive producer is Jelani Memory. And this show was brought to you by a kid's podcast about. Follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found. And check out other podcasts made for kids just like you by visiting akidsco.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Ben's book, A Kid's Book About Adventure. See you back at camp next week for another adventure.
Hi, I'm Matthew. I'm the head of audio at A Kids Co., and I also host a kid's book about the podcast and worth noting. I just wanted to say thanks. Thanks for listening to our shows in your classroom or in your bedroom, over breakfast or over dinner, on your drive or on your downtime. No matter what you do between this listen and the next time you tune in, thanks. You're awesome. And it's because of kids like you that we get to make cool stuff like this. See ya.